Hey everyone, I'm David Finns, and on this episode of the Cyber Insurance Imperative, we're going to turn our attention to direct loss wording in relation to a computer fraud claim. In the case of City of Unalaska versus National Union Fire Insurance Company, a federal court recently ruled that coverage applied to a claim for computer fraud where the insured was able to establish a direct loss by what is called proximate causation. In the underlying claim, an employee of the insured received a fraudulent request to change a vendor's payment instructions. Now, assuming that the request was genuine, the employee proceeded to update the bank account information and execute payments on several invoices, resulting in the funds going to the fraudster's account. Upon discovery of the fraud several months later, the insured reported the incident to its commercial crime insurer. The insurer agreed to cover the claim under a separate impersonation fraud endorsement, which carried a sublimit. However, it declined coverage for the balance of the loss under the policy's computer fraud insuring agreement on grounds that the use of email to perpetrate the fraud was incidental to the chain of steps that led to the loss. In the ensuing coverage litigation, the court disagreed with the insurer's rationale for declining coverage. While the insurer contended that the policy's computer fraud coverage required the insured to show that the fraudster's actions led to a direct loss without any intervening steps, the court found that the email instructions received by the insured fraudulently caused a transfer of funds, and the insured had a reasonable expectation that coverage would apply to the loss. So what does this mean for our listeners? Well, social engineering or impersonation fraud coverage, as it is sometimes referred to, can be found under either a crime or a cyber policy. So it's important to make sure that you have this coverage in one or the other. Overlapping coverage could cause an issue with respect to the excess carrier asserting an other insurance clause provision. In other words, one carrier will not want to respond as primary. That can sometimes be negotiated so that the carriers agree to a shared or hybrid retention, but it can be messy. The cleanest solution is to have one or the other policy cover this in its entirety. The other contingency you need to be aware of is that sometimes carriers will require that the insured verify through what is known as out-of-band processes that the request is genuine. That typically means picking up the phone or initiating a fresh email to the intended recipient's address, not simply replying to the email that the employee received. If those requirements are imposed upon the insured and the broker is not able to get them removed, then the insured needs to make sure that they have processes in place to handle that contingency. Here at Alliant, we are all about making sure that our clients find the more rewarding way to manage risk. So if you need help with respect to understanding social engineering coverage, you can DM me on LinkedIn or email me at david.fins at Thanks for listening.